Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 216, From Christian Cult to Christ Follower. Yeah, welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast where we talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone, every day. We're coming at you from the lovely WCSG radio studio in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I am your host, Lori Krieg, and I do have alongside me my husband and favorite licensed therapist, Matt Krieg. Hi. How you doing? Doing good. I'm excited to be here. Glad you're here. Uh, and next to him, we have a little bit of a different setup today because our guest today is in the studio with us, which I'll talk about her in just a second. But we do have the producer and most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hi, guys. How are you today? I'm I'm doing well. You feeling better? Happy you, to be here. You know, you have more of the professional voice. Uh, yes, not quite as plugged up as last time. <laughs> Uh, but today we do have in the studio, if you're watching with us on YouTube, which you guys can find that by searching WCSG on YouTube, but we have a new friend of the podcast, Christy Lynn Wood, and we're going to be hearing her story of how she grew up in a Christian cult yep, of legalism to the extreme. And the miracle of it all is she did not deconstruct it all and be like, goodbye, Jesus. But she actually said hello to the real Jesus. And today we're going to be talking about how that happened. But first of all, welcome, Christy. Hi. Thanks for having me. We're so glad you're here. I'm glad to be here. Oh, man. Well, Christy Linwood is a writer, speaker, and podcaster who also happens to be a fifth grade math teacher. And she took a half day off of Christian math. No. Not Christian math teaching. <laughs> oh, just I, math teaching. Right. <laughs> uh, she's the author of Religious Rebels, Finding Jesus in the Awkward Middle Way, and is passionate about helping people find a genuine relationship with Jesus. She lives in West Michigan with her wonderfully opposite husband and their two children. Love it. All right. Now we want to get to know Christy and our audience a little bit more by asking the question of the week from last time, which is... What is your favorite spice mix? Old Bay, Traeger, red <laughs> pepper spice. flakes. I'm just going to go with garlic salt. Ooh. Garlic I salt. I put garlic salt in a bunch of everything. <laughs> a certain brand or not? Oh, no, I'm not picky. I just like garlic. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> All right. We got a couple of listener responses. Steve, yes, who, I, who do you got? I appreciated this one right here. Like Lori, the kitchen is not my favorite place to be. Nope. So I don't know that anybody should take this as good advice. Uh, But whenever I cook, I like to use what I call the Scarborough Fair method of seasoning, which is basically when I don't know uh, how to season something, boom, parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme. (laughs) And also garlic, because always garlic. Yeah. You're going to sing it? You're going to sing the song. Yeah, when the reason that uh, jumped out at me was because in college I was in this group and we would travel and on the bus there was some kids that would always sing that they were always singing that on the bus and I was like what, what uh, is that it's like a dirge it's, it's it like, is you are know, you going it's to very Fair, melancholy right? yes <laughs> anyway it's, it's yeah so that just was flashbacks all right look it up if you guys are <laughs> under the age of me <laughs> and you can listen to Mary Paul and Peter, Sagebrush. Paul, and anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Matt, who did you pick? Yeah, I really liked what Maria had to say on Facebook. My name is Maria Zumdars. I am from Montana, but living in Tennessee. 
I said, growing up in Montana, my dad always put all kinds of seasonings on everything. But as long as I can remember, his go-to has always been Slap Your Mama. So now as a young adult living in Tennessee, I put Slap Your Mama on almost everything. I don't know if it's because it's what I know and what I like or if it just makes me feel close to my dad. Aww. That's so sweet. So, I heard a lot of Slap Your Mama Yeah, that answers. was a popular one. So apparently if you don't know what to do with spicing, <laughs> Slap Your Mama. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a little interaction on the Hole in My Heart podcast Facebook group where they're like, Slap Your Mama. And they're like, no, no, I won't. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys had a lot of answers. That Slap Your Mama I saw a lot. Trader Joe's, like uh, the everything bagel seasoning. Everyone, people are a big fan of that. And then some lemon garlic one from there so I gotta look into that but I the non-cook in the room are you do you like to cook Christy I'm, I'm growing into cooking yeah. okay I'm learning I don't like it I need the Lord's help every day <laughs> <laughs> speaking of cult that sounded a little culty anyway uh, I appreciated this from Hannah uh, she said vanilla because sometimes I forget that it's classified as a spice there you go there I don't go. like to cook I like to bake and mm, vanilla yeah. can be my spice choice Perfect. there you go Okay, we're moving into the next part of uh, the podcast. Um, you've you've heard the podcast before, so we ask every guest this: If the gospel is, I am more sinful and flawed in myself than I ever dared believe, and yet at the very same time, I'm more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than I ever dared hope. How is that gospel first good news for you, and how is it still today? All right, so I trusted Jesus as my Savior as a seven-year-old child before we actually entered the cult that we're going to talk about later. <laughs> and um, both of my parents like had a real relationship with God, so that was something that I was observing growing up. And so then we enter, you know, legalistic religion phase of life. And I was just a good girl that was doing the good things. I yeah. was following the rules. I was trying hard to be godly. I was... I wanted people to like me. I wanted people to think that I was a good person. And so God was like a concept that I believed in. He was a name on the page of an old book. And that all changed when I was about 15. So this is one of the stories that I like to share just because it's why I'm still a Christian after everything I've been through. But I went up to my bedroom to pray a list of God's names. It was part of my homeschool assignment. Hmm. So I went up to pray this list of God's names. And as I was going through the list of God's names, felt the presence of the Holy Spirit for the first time. And I was like, oh, he's real. Like, if he's real, I want to get to know him for myself. And so over the next four years, just really started digging into scripture for myself, talking to Jesus for myself, taking long walks where I would just, like, communicate with the Spirit and just become very close with this presence of God that I had discovered. Mm -hmm. And that's what ultimately made me go, you know what, the God that I know and the God that my cult is talking about are not the same God. Mm -hmm. They don't line up at all. Mm -hmm. And so that was huge. Um, but I would say even more than that, because legalism and just behavior-driven stuff where you feel like you have to perform for God holds on tight. And yeah. so even after getting out and being right. at college, I was wearing pants, I had shorter hair, I looked way more normal than I used to look. Um, but I was still very much just stuck in this idea that God didn't like me mm -hmm. if I wasn't performing correctly. Right. So I knew he loved me, but it felt like he had to love me because he's God. But I knew he liked me better in my mind. He liked me better if I was performing. And when I was not performing, that I wasn't as accepted or liked. And there was a period of time in college when I was just stuck in um, panic attacks and anxiety. I didn't know what they were. So I thought maybe I was dying. Um, but I didn't want to tell anybody because I wanted to be the one that was okay. And in my head, because of all the formulas and all of everything that I grew up with, I thought something I was doing was wrong. So right. I was in sin somehow. I was being punished, and God was mad at me. 
And so I remember taking a walk and just talking to Jesus, because this is kind of my MO at this point, and um, just walking through the woods, talking to him, trying to confess my sin and get right with God so that I could be healed. Um, and I came to this point in the woods, and the woods kind of just opened up, and I felt the Spirit just whisper to my heart and say, I've never loved you more than I love you right now. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, what? No, because Romans 8, 1 says, and in my King James and New King James Version, they tack on an extra little phrase there. And it says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And that's only in King James and New King James. And in my mind, I thought that meant if I was walking in the spirit, i.e. being good, following the rules, then I was not under condemnation. But if I was in my flesh or in sin, then I was under condemnation. And so I went home and I looked it up and I had gotten a new version of the Bible and it wasn't there. And I started Googling and it wasn't anywhere. And I was like, wait a minute, I know I'm under Jesus Christ. I know that I'm in Christ Jesus. I've never doubted that. So I'm not under condemnation. Like, he really does love me. Like, he loves me right now in the middle of my mess. And that was just, I mean, the good news of the grace of God. Yeah. And that grace has continued to be such good news to know that there's nothing that stops God's love for me. There's nothing that stops his delight in me. And um, yeah, that I, it's not about what I do or don't do. And so that's good news. That's still good news. That's awesome. Mm, yeah. So, all right, we've been talking about this cult. I mean, we've alluded to it. We've said the word. Uh, can you tell us more about that uh, cult that you grew up in and what made it a cult? Sure. So if you've watched Amazon Prime's documentary, Shiny Happy People, then you know all about my cult. <laughs> and shiny you, Happy People. Shiny Happy People, yes. And if you follow the Duggar family for any length of time, um, they are a part of the same organization that I was a part of. And if you um, read their books that are out now, you can find out more about that there too. But Some of the daughters have written yes. books just saying how they got free yes. from some of that legalistic My, yes. Ide- yes. ideology. Yes. Okay. But uh, should I say the name? <laughs> yeah, you can say the name. All right. Yeah. So um, Bill Gothard started a program called the Institute in Basic Life Principles. It was originally the Institute in Basic Youth Conflicts in the 70s. And then there was some scandal. You can look it up and find it. And uh, they changed the name, and he came back stronger than ever and continued to produce seminars and teachings and a homeschool program. And it was very influential in evangelicalism in the 70s and 80s and even into the 90s and 2000s. And so we were homeschooled through that for 10 years, 10 Mm. years in Gothard's very legalistic, very religious, very formulaic method of life. Mm-hmm. So were there particular pieces of that experience that for you defines it as a cult, that makes it a cult and not yeah. a, a sect or just a group? <laughs> um, I like the word cult just because if you look up like definitions of cult across the board, if it's the bill where you have isolation and you have one charismatic person who's telling you exactly what you need to do and you have formulas and it's very fear-based if you don't be like us and you're going to be... Um, condemned or judged or whatever. Um, so yeah, it fits, it fits the bill. Mm-hmm. And so were there specific teachings? Like I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat familiar yeah. with Bill Gothard based on watching shiny, happy people <laughs> and, or at least part of it. Um, were there specific teachings that you learned or that you were taught that were damaging that you can look back and say like, this was a major piece of the, the relearning and the deconstruction oh, yeah. that you had to go through? Um, so we were a fringe family. Okay. So in, in, in the Gothard group, 
there were people who were like hardcore into it. My dad was a public school teacher the whole time we were doing this. Mm-hmm. So it was like this mm-hmm. weird paradox kind of thing going on where he had one foot in the real world and one foot in um, the crazy land. <laughs> and so um, we were part of a church though this whole time that was very much heavily influenced by by Gothard and his teachings. And I would say that's where most of my brainwashing happened because my parents were trying to pick out the good stuff and that kind of thing. But at the church, um, amongst the young people, there was less, um, yeah, picking out the bad stuff. And a lot of it was thrown at me. So I would say the most damaging part was the idea of who God was, that he was um, angry, that he wanted certain behaviors, certain activities, that he was going to judge you and condemn you. Um, if you didn't, I would say that was very damaging. Um, the way even Jesus was just about the rules, just about following these steps. Um, it was very formulaic. If you do this, this, and this, you're guaranteed to get this outcome. If you do this, this, and this, you know, you're guaranteed to get that outcome. If you don't do this, you know, you're out from under the umbrella. We don't know this. Mm-hmm. The umbrella, you know, structure of authority. Authority was very damaging. So the idea of being under authority and those in authority basically got a free pass to do whatever they wanted. And if you were under authority, you had to just submit and go along with it or God was going to get you because he was the ultimate authority who was in charge of all authorities. So, yeah. So Just some things. <laughs> so I read Ginger's book. I watched mm-hmm. part of Shiny Happy People. I'm familiar with some of this Gothard world. Specifically, like, so what I hear in what you just said is this uh, authority structure is one being really damaging. And then two, I would call this retribution theology. So you do... We could also maybe call it karma, <laughs> which is not Christian. <laughs> but you do good, yeah. you get good. Mm-hmm. You do bad, you get bad. How mm-hmm. have you uh, deconstructed that false ideology? Because some somebody listening might be like, read Proverbs, Christy. Yeah. You know, read, mm-hmm. it looks like you mm-hmm. follow in wisdom, you get money. <laughs> you know, it, it can read that way. So how, let's start specifically with retribution mm-hmm. theology. Mm-hmm. You do good, you get good, do bad, get bad. Yeah. Well, first of all, Proverbs is not a book of promises. What, 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 It's a book what? of wisdom, <laughs> which if you talk to scholars, is a generally true statement. Yeah. So I think that's um, that's another thing that, what happened in my cult days a lot was out of context scripture. So yeah. things ripped out of context, things ripped out of genre, things taken. So wait, to but explain that. Different. Wisdom literature versus book promises. of promises. So that that might be brand new to someone <laughs> listening. So yeah. help us break it yeah. down. Um, I'm super passionate about the Bible being read in a correctly hum- hermeneutical way yeah. because of how it was used to damage me Yeah, and um, so many other people. And so... I think it's really important for us to recognize what book of the Bible we're reading and what that genre is. And so Proverbs and um, Ecclesiastes actually are both books of wisdom, which was Mm -hmm. a genre of book that was written back in the time when they were written. And it was books of generally true statements. Mm -hmm. And so that doesn't mean that they are like, we can't be like, oh, no, that's not God's word. It's still God's word. But that doesn't mean that you can claim something as a promise when it wasn't meant to be a promise. You just claim it as this is a generally true statement. This is a Mm -hmm. book of wisdom. So, and that can be hard because people get all worried and, you know, things yeah. like that. But I think it's so important that we read scripture in the way that it was meant to be read. Yeah. Mm. So then authority, yeah. and that was, um, 
you know, that was a very quick overview. If someone <laughs> wanted to study more on yeah. what you just said, what would they what would they look for if they were like, oh, I want to understand what do you mean wisdom literature versus, <laughs> uh, you know, book of promises? Yeah. Where where might someone look to understand more of that? I mean, I've read I've written about it a lot on my blog and stuff like that. But I think you can just start looking up like how to read the Bible according to the genre. Yeah, and that would so be a great Google start. That. Yep, Google how to read the Bible according to genre, um, or look at Christy Linwood. Yeah, ChristyLinwood.com. You can look for. I have. Yeah, I've written blogs pretty okay. extensively on blogs about that in the past. Yeah, but authority. I know of the um, the structures of Gothard ideology. That one. That one is tricky, and that, that one I know has influenced my own worldview. Yeah. Yeah. So help us again restate what you saw in the cults or yeah. in this Gothard world. And then what? how did you break that down into truth? Yeah. Um, well, the authority one would be a little more like, you know, God's the ultimate authority, and then there's certain people that are under him, um, all men. All men. <laughs> and uh, yeah. then under them, you know, you might have wives, and then under them would be children. So it was just very much a hierarchy of power mm-hmm. is really what it comes down to. And people who were in authority didn't have a lot of accountability. And so they could do pretty much whatever they wanted to do and call it was from God. And if you didn't have authority, you just had to submit because they were under God. So just really, it's abusive and it allows a lot of abuse to happen because of the way it's structured. But again, someone listening might be mm-hmm. like, okay, but I read First and Second Timothy <laughs> and I read Ephesians 5 and there's this, it looks like a built-in hierarchical structure. And and yeah. without breaking this down, we're not talking about marriage egalitarian versus complementarian right now, per se, in this moment, those of you who are listening. But in general, can you help me understand, like, because people could be like, okay, you just said hierarchy, but it does, hasn't God put authority structures in the church? But you're saying no. How, how, what's the difference? <laughs> um, I think that a Authority structures is different than authoritarian. Okay. So what Gothard called authority is really authoritarian. Okay, explain that. So that's kind of like the dictatorship. Okay. Like, I'm the boss, and I'm in charge, and so I shall do whatever I want. That's not true authority. Right. Um, I heard it explained really nicely once, and they said that true authority is not power. It's not making people do what you want. It's living a life that's so, like, just genuine people want to follow you. So like having somebody who really, you have authority, like Jesus did. He had authority, but it wasn't like the same kind of authority the Pharisees had, where they were like, do what I say. Right. People just followed him because he was different and amazing and crazy and like, wow. And yeah. so I think we can, we can call authoritarian structures authority, and people who want power love to do that. But I don't think that's true authority. I think, yes, we respect and we honor those who are in positions like our bosses and our parents and, you know, spouses. And we, we respect them and we honor them. But I don't think that power-hungry dictatorship, you will do what I say, is mm-hmm. at all biblical. For me, I know, Matt, when we've talked about, when we were, like, processing shiny, happy people and we talked about the umbrella structure. <laughs> so it's essentially, like, God is... He resembles Zeus, <laughs> if you guys are familiar with Greek mythology, in the sense that uh, you're, if you're a part of this, it's like you're going to get zapped. You, the potential to be zapped and smoted at any moment for even subconscious yeah. 
hidden sin that for yep. which you have no clue yep. is at any moment. Yep. But especially if you are not under, quote, the umbrella yep. of authority of the dad in particular mm-hmm. in a family. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like God, then the dad, then the mom under the dad, and then the kids under the parents. Um, but Matt, when we've talked about this, and when um, a book that I read that was really helpful in understanding authority was by is by Diane Langberg. It's called Redeeming Power, Understanding Authority and Abuse in the Church. Mm. Um, she's amazing when she talks about like power, but her structure and Matt, how you have digested this is if there is an umbrella of authority, it's an upside down umbrella. And it's a shepherd who's leading from mm-hmm. the back yep. where he sees the sheep in front of him. And he's like, hey, hey, dear ones, no, don't go jumping into that ravine. We've all seen the videos of the sheep just <laughs> jumping right back into the ravine. Yes. <laughs> it's it's to shepherd and to pull away yeah. from danger yeah. and harm. Yep. Not, I'm trying to remember the verse, I should Google it, but where Jesus is like, where the leader, your leaders lord it over you. Yes. Jesus, who is the Lord, doesn't lord oh. over his authority over us. So I love what you said mm-hmm. as far as the difference between authoritarianism, which Langberg talks about this too, and authority, which leads from the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as people are listening and are maybe like leaning in, like maybe how do I know I'm not? <laughs> or am I, you know, what would you say? Am I in a cult? <laughs> right. For what yeah. to look for? How can somebody tell if they're in the middle of kind of a damaging or, or cult-like Uh, culture or or just under that kind of teaching? Yeah, I think there's some big red flags that you can look for. Um, One is like fear-based teaching. Are the people who are in leading you, are they promoting this idea of fear? Mm. Like, is everything scary? Is the world scary? Are we always worried about something and fearful of something? Because fear is a really powerful way to control people. Mm. And so if people are afraid, they're going to do what they need to do to take care of themselves. And people who love power and abuse know that. So they often will use fear to control. I think you need to watch for um, us versus them thinking. Like we're the ones that are right and all the rest of those people are, are wrong. Like that's a big red flag. Um, watch for charismatic leaders who are doing what they, what they want to do. Like, you know, they'll say one thing for all of you, but I'm going to lead a different life. That's, um, that's dan- dangerous. I'd say just watch for um, people not liking questions. So if you start asking questions and you get shut down or told that you are wrong or dangerous, like that's a pretty big red flag. I think it's really important to be able to ask questions and say, well, why are we doing this? Why do we believe that? And -hmm. like I said, if you come across and you're like, the Jesus that I know is not lining up to the Jesus these people are talking about, like for sure, for sure, step back and run away. Hmm. So when you're growing up in that kind of system, um, I'm just going to call it like it's traumatizing. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's, it's, it's an an incorrect system, but it's also a a, somehow a comforting system for a lot of people who have undergone trauma because there is a very clearly defined rule of if I do this, then I receive this. Um, If I don't step out of line, then I'll be okay. But then when they do, it also helps them make sense, especially as kids yeah. of, I deserved this punishment yeah. as opposed to my, my system, my authority figures are actually broken and yeah. flawed. Because that makes you not feel safe yeah, as a cause, kid. Yeah, because right? that is the thing that's going to be shaking the foundations that you stand on as a kid. Yeah. Um, and so it takes a lot of bravery 
to break free of that type of system. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I guess when you look at your own story, your own journey of recognizing the, the cult and then moving free of it, like what, was, what were some of the struggles that you had to contend with along the way? What was the hardest yeah. part of walking away from the system that you knew was wrong yeah. but grew up in? Yeah, I mean, it, was, it wasn't something that we could just like move out of because it wasn't a location. So it wasn't like we could just leave the cult and be done with it. It was a mind cult. You know, it was like we were in a different place and the rest of the church was in a different place and whatever. So it was a lot of um, just having to like rethink and step back. So I would say the one of the hardest things was as a people pleaser, oh. being rejected. Mm-hmm. So like I, I have stories in my head of like when I first was like, this can't be right. It was at family camp. We were at family camp and we had two different speakers that came in that week and like, you can read it in my book, and it talks about, like, okay, this is, this is Jesus. This is not Jesus. And like, where could, you know, this is not. And so I started asking questions. Why do we wear pants? Why don't we wear pants? Like, why are girls wearing supposed to wear dresses? And, you know, just really just trying to dig into some of these questions. And I got labeled the rebel <laughs> and shut down and told I needed to stop. But the pastor called me on the phone after family camp and got after me. For and asking I, about questions yeah, about pants versus yeah, skirts. Yeah. And old. other things. I touched fingers with the boy in the play that I was working with. Sinner. I know. <laughs> So anyway, um, but it's funny because I just read my journal from those days, and I don't, I don't write the story the way I remember it. In my journal, I'm backtracking. I'm, like, apologizing. I'm saying that I was wrong, that I wanted to follow Jesus. I was just being so in my flesh, so sinful, so willful. And I'm like, that's really sad because I kind of want to go back to me and be like, you weren't wrong. Like, honey, you were right. But it took years. I mean, it took years to step away. And finally, when I was 21, I came over to West Michigan to be at a camp, to work at a camp for the summer in my long hair and my long dresses. <laughs> and uh, I never had met and spent that much time with like worldly Christians before, people who were normal in the world. And they loved me and accepted me in ways that I had never been loved and accepted before, even though I was like really weird. And um, I was like, wow. And I think that really allowed me to kind of step back and really evaluate, like, maybe these people aren't wrong. And maybe I really am growing up with these people who are wrong, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Just that love, that acceptance. And so it was a gradual process. I left summer camp. I went to college. My dad had been telling me to go to college for years. And I told him girls can't go to college because it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Lots of other stories we could talk about. Mm-hmm. And so I went to college, moved out of my parents after my first year of college, went to live with my aunt and uncle in a different part of the state, and they were not even believers. So it was just like a gradual process of walking away. But I would say, talk about things that are entwined in your heart and your mind. Like, I don't think I even realized how much was still left, the, the formulas, the fear of this vindicative God mm-hmm. in my heart until I like had gotten married and had children. And I'm trying to parent my children. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, oh, there's a lot trauma. that's still here. Oh, yeah. You know, and so it just, it's, this, it's a process of stepping away. And it's a process of being willing to say, wow, maybe I'm wrong about that. Like, and that's scary. Because mm-hmm. you talk about fear is like that starts to say, okay, what if I'm wrong? The deconstruction movement, you know, what if this is wrong? Where is that going to lead me? And I think sometimes we're really afraid of even starting to ask those questions. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, now, to be clear, if someone's listening and they're like, oh my gosh, but I love my long hair and I love my long skirt. <laughs> it's not no, that. No. What, what is it? I, I wore long hair and long skirts for years after mm-hmm. um, I had you know, separated my Jesus from the yeah. fake Jesus. 
because I wanted to. Yeah. I was like, I'm not doing this anymore because I have to. Yeah. I'm doing this because I want to be feminine. I want yeah. to, you know, whatever. And it right. was fine. I still wear dresses sometimes. My hair is just, it happens to be short now. It has nothing yeah. to do with being <laughs> rebellious. <Yeah. laughs> but, um, you know, I just, yeah, I think it's not about, it's not about what you do or don't do. It's about um, why. Mm-hmm. Why are you doing this? Are you doing this thing? Because we can do good things for a bad reason. Like we can read our Bible and memorize scripture and pray because we're trying to be a better Christian and impress God and impress others. So, you know, I think it really is about our heart. Like what is our heart here and how, why am I doing the things I'm doing? What you're saying uh, is reminding me of Matthew 23, where Jesus is really ripping into the Pharisees. (laughs) uh, And he's like, you guys, you know, I'm pulling it up here. Matthew 23, 23, this is in the NLT. Uh, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. This is on brand, Jesus. You're killing it. But you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. And when I think about these legalistic, whether it's a direct cult or just the ideology, it it makes us maybe feel safer Mm -hmm. because we're constructing a cause and effect where we don't have this mysterious God where we can be hurt. But it... It leaves no room, these systems, for grace, (laughs) mercy, justice, faith, and the mystery of God. But that makes sense because mystery of God is scary. I can get abused in the mystery of God. So I understand, like I have compassion on people who might Mm -hmm. be drawn to these legalistic systems. Mm -hmm. Do you have any more thoughts on that? Just like for why someone might be drawn into these systems. No, I think you're right. And I think Matt hit on this earlier too. It's like with the trauma background, Mm -hmm. um, people who are already struggling with certain mental illnesses and stuff like that. Like if you look at the people who were in our church and in our cult, like they were not healthy. Mm. Like I feel like my parents are probably the exception. And so a lot of people who experienced what I grew up with also experienced other abusive things because there just was some lack of health and just with their parents already. Mm. And so I think in that case, I was blessed by not you know having that my parents were great like they really were we were in a cult but my parents were great (laughs) Um, and but I think that people are drawn in like you said who are looking for stability it's like you 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 hit it when you said it's way safer feeling to say this is where I need to be and this rigid thing and I think that's what makes it so scary to start questioning to start doubting to start wondering but I mean, I, I questioned and doubted my faith, like, probably f- through four different seasons of my life where I've gone through some really, I didn't even have the word deconstruction back then. You know, we didn't talk right. about that. It was just, like, that dark night of the soul when I was like, is any of this real? Hmm. And, I mean, in college, um, in early marriage, when I had two late-term miscarriages, hmm. um, about seven years ago, we went through spiritual abuse at the church where my husband was a youth pastor. So there's been seasons of my life where I've been, is any of this real? Right. And it is scary to go through that place. But like you said, the mystery of God, like I have come to the place where my faith is so strong in the person that I know that I'm okay with a lot of things I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm just at a place where I'm more welcome to that gray area that like, I don't know, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And it's okay if I don't know, because mm-hmm. I know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like I know, I know what I believe. I know whom I believed. And but the little, the tithing, the, yeah, the gnat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just, okay. it doesn't really matter. And, like, so I'm okay with questions. I'm okay with people doubting. Yeah. Like, I'm okay with people who say, like, I don't know if I want to have faith anymore. I'm like, that's okay. Yeah. And I would not have been like that 
a few years ago, mm-hmm. but going through those own times of darkness and wrestling and trying to figure out what do I believe? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like has gotten to that place where I'm like, yeah, I know what I believe and the stuff I don't know is okay. And I can have an opinion and we'll just, maybe it'll change. And what I hear in that, where you said, if someone's doubting in their faith and I'm like, it's okay. Again, someone might be listening and being like, <laughs> no, it's not okay. It's not okay. You need to believe. And yes, you guys, we know the truth of the gospel. And yes, that's where we want people to go. But is Christy trusting in Christy right. and in her rules and in her dictating to this person what to believe? Or is she actually trusting in a sovereign God yeah. who has this person in their hand. <laughs> exactly. So for her to say it's okay is not, it's okay that you get to go to hell. And I'm not going to say anything. It's God, you have this person. Mm -hmm. I cannot control them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I told somebody one time, um, a Facebook friend of mine, like, she's like, I think I might be becoming an atheist. And I was like, it's okay if you need to be an atheist for a while, because if Jesus is real, he'll find you again. Mm. And I think that is freeing, because sometimes we have all this stuff in our mind, and we have to actually spend a time where we're like, I don't know if I believe anymore. Yeah. Because we've had so much stuff that's wrong Mm -hmm. stuck in our mind. Like, we don't even know the real God. Mm -hmm. We don't even know the real Jesus. And so that fake God needs to sometimes... Go die. Go die. (laughs) So that we can... He's not not even No, he was never alive. He's not even real. He's not even close to being real. They just use the same Bible verses. They use the same concepts. But so I think we do journey through these times where we're like, I don't even know if I... Do I believe anything? And that's okay, because that fake God, little G God that I use in my book when I talk about things, isn't real. Uh-uh. And the real Jesus is fully capable of finding us and loving us and rescuing us. But sometimes we need to have a complete rejection before we can understand that he's not the same God that we experienced. Mm-hmm. So if someone is feeling trapped, kind of in a system that's maybe similar to, to some of what you experienced growing up, what would you, what would you say to give them some encouragement um, that change something different is possible is out there. Yeah. I mean, I think that when you start to feel that, have I been brainwashed? Because I have a very specific moment when I was like, I think I might have been brainwashed. It's like, it's like that's when you're actually able to start thinking because when you're accepting it, like you're like, no, I'm fine. We're right. But that moment when you're like, huh? So I would say if you're feeling trapped, that's actually a good sign because you're recognizing that it's wrong. And so lean into that, you know, and lean into the fact that, um, you know, even if you're like, I don't know if I really believe there's a very real God, but Christy says there's a very real God, so maybe he's real, you know, like, you know, like, let's lean into that and say, God, if you're real, like, show me who you are and let me, I mean, he wants, he wants us to be free, like more than I think even we want to be free. Like he wants us to be free. He wants us to be restored. He wants us to be reconciled to him, to the real Jesus, not to some fake God who's crushing you under the thumb. And so I would just say, lean into that, lean into the questions, lean into the doubt and ask him to just meet you there. Like ask him to meet you there. Cause he will, he wants this more than you do. Mm-hmm. I, I love that thought of God, if you are real, if you are out there, show me, mm-hmm. yeah. like meet me here. Um, because it's so, you, you can't control it, <laughs> you know, and it, it goes against that yeah. whole structure of control, which uses honor, uses shame, uses everything to keep people locked in, but, but really taking that faith step and saying, God, okay, this is on you is, is a big part of stepping free of it. That's really amazing. Yeah. My little curious brain is asking, was there anything good out of it? Like, (laughs) is there anything good that you were like, you know what? This had God's grace was present here. 
Oh, yeah. So that's the funny part about my story is I feel like it's not, like, all bad. Like, right. I had a lot of and really, I had a lot of really great things that yeah. happened. Like, tons of really fun stuff. But, <clears throat> yeah, there was one um, one thing in particular I feel like it was really great. Um, would be we had this youth retreat when I was probably, I don't know, 19, so kind of at the edge of it all. It was a winter youth retreat, and we had um, a man. His name was Pastor Johnny Jones, and uh, he changed my life. Because he showed us what it was like to experience the Holy Spirit. And I think he was part of Gothard's circle. He was actually working at the Riverfront Character Inn in Flint. But he was on his way out. He'd been burned by the system. And I didn't know this till I read that book I mentioned to you about that matter of basic principle. Oh, wait. I'm going to mention that a little okay. louder. A matter of basic principles. Yeah. Christy was saying before the episode, if you guys are like, ah, I grew up exactly the same <laughs> as her. I need to... Think about this. So that helped yes, you that was to huge. Yep. just state what's theologically like, true. Um, it was more just like the understanding of, wow, this was really messed up. This was a cult. Okay. So we just named yeah, what was going on. It's by Don Vinoy who exposes okay. cults. Oh, okay. So anyway, yeah. if you guys want a matter of basic principles. Okay. Yes. But go back oh, to yeah. this So Pastor moment. Jones is actually in this book and I didn't know his real story. I only knew my story. Okay. And my story was that he came to this youth retreat, this winter youth retreat, and he was our speaker for the week. I knew he worked at the Flint um, Center, because that's where my old church was connected to. And um, he led us in this evening where he basically just told us, listen to God, and as God speaks to you, I want you to read a verse or pray or um, and just like you said, it's mystical. It's that like mystery, like God could do something. It's not contained. And God showed up. What? And like, it was amazing. And there was probably about an hour maybe an hour and a half, I lost track of time, where like, we were just like letting God speak to us. And he, we were singing songs, and we were reading scripture, and we were praying. And it was, um, I mean, I was like, wow. And I'd experienced this personally before, but like corporate like that was amazing. And then to find out later on that he had been just completely burned, and this was his way out, I think he was almost just like, this was his punch back. You know, like, I'm going to set these kids free. You know? <laughs> They're going to meet Jesus. <laughs> so oh, that's that awesome. was, it was, oh yeah, it was life-changing. It was life-changing. Well, and that goes to show um, God is everywhere. We may try and create these boxes that keep him contained, but he can't be contained. He will come to the farthest ends of the earth, the deepest Mm -hmm. cults, the farthest oceans to pursue us, which is why he's trustworthy. He's not a tame lion to borrow from Aslan and Narnia. Um, But he's so good. Yes. So Christy, thank you for um, your honesty and your opening up your heart and your story with us today. That was uh, really powerful. Thank you. So this is usually where we turn off the video call and then we talk about the guest (laughs) behind their back (laughs) in a good way. We're always like, yay, this is what we learned. But it feels a little awkward right now. I still want to hear from these guys because this has become a very powerful part of um, the podcast. And then you can receive it as good. Sounds good. So, Steve, we'll start with you. What's a takeaway for you? Well, I think I'm probably going to find the book and read that. Um, I <clears throat> I think I'm becoming aware that, you know, this that we've been connected to people that have been influenced by this over the years. And so this has given me some awareness, but I think really what struck me that you said was just that vision of authority, um, which is not uh, lording over, 
but is servant leadership that is the Jesus way, which seems counterintuitive and counter to culture, and uh, but just to inspire people versus try to impose and force people, um, I think is is what I'm taking away from the conversation. I love that. What about you, Matt? Um, I mean, I think that story, Christy, that you shared at the end of God kind of coming and meeting not just you, it sounds like, but a bunch of kids in the midst of this system um, that maybe thought they knew God, yet God saw that the harvest was there and he showed up to to do it. Like So yeah, he's not contained within or without any system. Um, He is moving and... He is, he is the one who <laughs> breathes new life. I, I just appreciated the entire conversation, to be honest with you. I think just, I think of people who grew up in this or adjacent to it and just hearing your hopefulness is, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's what we need. I just love that God can't be contained. Mm-hmm. So I love the hope that you brought to um, people listening who have maybe a little question mark bubble above their head about who the real God is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we're going to pivot now to post <laughs> to toss to y'all the question of the week for next time. We're staying in the grocery aisle. <laughs> because I hate cooking and I'm trying to learn right now. So it's in my head. But what do you accidentally buy too much from at the grocery store? Because you get grocery nesia the second you get there. You're like, oh, we definitely need, I'll tell you, ready? It's basil. I have four (laughs) giant things of basil in our (laughs) ingredient area, our spice chest. Chest, no. Cupboard. Cupboard. And every time I go to the store, I'm like, I know. Basil. And the, that part of my brain that is aware of what we have at home just turns off. So I'm curious, am I the only crazy one? Or Steve, please tell me you're nuts. Uh, I don't know if you're crazy or not. <laughs> I am I am such a grocery shopping novice. Oh, I yeah. so we'll rarely do it. If I go, it's usually because I'm hungry. And okay. it's a bad time to <laughs> go to the grocery store. And so I will get a bag of chips and a thing of salsa or yeah. queso. And I'll, I'll come home and I'll just enjoy that for a little bit. And this just happened. Um, then sometime in the middle of the night or the next day, my kids will raid the chips, but they don't care about the salsa or queso. So now I've got all this oh, salsa, no. no chips. No ratio. To dip in it. Right, right, right. So everything is off. That's, that's my struggle. <laughs> Matt, what do you always get? Am I the only messed up one? I mean, you do much more of the shopping in our house right now, but I think in the past it's usually been like peanut butter or ketchup. Yeah, ketchup. ketchup Matt's obsessed with ketchup. There's, there's you either ketchup for the chicken nuggets. Yeah, there's either like this anxiety that we're going to run out of ketchup, so I get two of them, yeah. no, not knowing that we already have like four. <laughs> Or, or I'm like, we're good. We've got so much ketchup. And then all of a sudden Zero. for like a week, it's out. And uh, I'm like, ah. And then our kids don't eat for a week. Do you want to throw <laughs> in awesome. Um, I always buy sugar. Yeah. Like, because I like to bake. Like you, I yeah. love baking. Uh-huh. So I was like, oh, I should get some more sugar. And then I'm like, why do I have five, four pound bags of sugar in my pantry? Oh, yeah. yeah always. I always think I need more. Grocery Nisha. It's a real thing, y'all. <laughs> so we want to hear what's your deal. What do you keep buying? 
and sit at home with us on the Hole in My Heart podcast. Okay, thank you again, Christy Linwood, for being a part of this episode. We're going to link to her book, to her site, to some of those other books that we talked about, uh, whether you were immersed in specifically this Bill Gothard world or you're just curious how to break free from some of this legalism or one of your friends uh, to help them walk out of it. Uh, Thank you to WCSG for hosting us. Thanks always to the Zach of all trades and his intern Delaney. For all of us here at the Whole My Heart Podcast, we'll see you next time. Mm